What's up, y'all, and welcome to Leadership with LaToya for Leaders on the Grow. We're excited to bring you a new series on instructional leadership, educational principles. If you're out there, you don't want to miss the next five episodes. Season three, episodes eight through 12, will feature lots of discussion about instructional leadership. We want to give you some tools you can take back and put into practice, but we won't be able to do that without our co-host, Mike Wakesness. Hey, Mike, what's up? Hey, Latoya, how are you doing? I'm great. How about you? Good. I'm ready to talk our favorite topic, I think, instructional leadership. I know it. You know, Mike, this summer when we were at SCASA at, at the conference for South Carolina School Administrators, we did a presentation which was very well attended. I wish we would have done two sessions now on clarity and focus. And I think that's what really gets in the way sometimes when folks are really trying to execute really good instructional leadership. I have to ask you, um, you know, if instructional leadership, if we know it, that it's a necessary component for high-quality instruction, what makes it so difficult to execute? Well, I am glad that we are setting this up as a series because, you know, there's so much to cover and so much to talk about when it, be, when it comes to instructional leadership. So it's going to take us, you know, a while to unpack that. But I think it's hard because it's hard. You know, it's, it's hard. We, uh, it's not natural to be a great instructional leader. Um, you know, it's just, it's hard, I guess, is my answer to that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think sometimes folks underestimate the, the, what a daunting task and a challenge that is and the work it takes to develop your um, capacity around that. You have to practice, um, you have to really practice at it and, and, and give it, uh, a lot of effort to get better at it. It's not something you can do and immediately you're, you know, you're an awesome instructional leader. Right, and I think, you know, I would assume most principals were good teachers when they were teachers, but, you know, maybe not. Uh, but you knew what you knew in your classroom, and you might think that every teacher out there is kind of like you or similar to you, but when you step out of the classroom and you start working with a, a variety of teachers in a, at a school level or a district level or a state level, you see, just like your students, there's a very wide range and it's difficult to really, one, to know to have that scholarly background in good instruction, but then also how to coach others. And it's interesting to me, and I don't know of any survey or study like this, but I know a lot of the principals I know were coaches, you know, athletic coaches when they were teachers. So, you know, you might have the, the knowledge to, to be a good teacher, to know pedagogy, to know instructional strategies, but as a leader, you have to know how to impart that knowledge onto others and to work with them and to coach them to get them better. So it's twofold. You have to have the knowledge base, but also you need to know how to work with adult learners to get them to improve their practice. I think you're so right. You know, uh, some, you know, if I, you know, I've heard lots of folks define instructional leadership in a variety of ways, but I think what it comes down to is how do you collaborate with and support teachers in developing the ability to be reflective about their practice? And so, not only thinking about it in terms of how well did the lesson go, what, what went really well, what didn't go well, but really being able to develop and implement action steps in the next lesson uh, to address those things or, or to enhance those areas that went really well. I have to ask you, Mike, um, you know, when you think about instructional leadership, um, you know, what is it that you think makes makes leaders um, sometimes feel like 
that is something last on their list. We know it's one of the most important things, if not the most important core business of a principal's job. But what are those things that get in the way and make leaders feel like that's the last thing when it really should be the first thing? And then what can they do to, to, to prioritize it? Right. Those are, those are great questions. I think, you know, we've talked about this before. Sometimes the issues that are the most loud, so to speak, get precedence. If there is an angry parent at the office, um, upset because of this or upset because of that, or, you know, there's a, um, a, a bus issue and you have to figure out how you're going to get the 50 kids on the bus home that afternoon, all those kinds of things. And those are important, but lots of times we put the most loud issues at the forefront because they're kind of immediate in our face. And we know that the heart of, uh, of, an, of an instructional leader, a principal is the instructional leader, uh, but sometimes we let these things that seem urgent but they're not important get in the way of the most important thing being an instructional leader. You know, there's so many different uh, strategies I could think of, and, you know, Latoya and I, when we were in the same building, we, we mapped out our week. Um, in 30-minute increments the entire week. So on Friday, we'd sit down and plan out where we were going to be, what classrooms we're going to be in, how we were going to do the follow-up conversation with the teachers. And, you know, that's linked on the Leadership with Latoya website. And, you know, it didn't always go exactly as planned, but I think that was one way that it really gave us a structure to the week and it got us into a lot more classrooms and a lot more conversations with teachers about instruction. I think you're so right, Mike. And I think an additional thing we did with that, because, um, you know, I've shared this with folks before, but I talked to them about how we printed it out each week and put it inside a plastic sleeve and literally carried it around with us to help keep us on track about where we were supposed to be and what we were supposed to be doing. Certainly, you know, I I would always joke, it's kind of like, you know, quarterback, uh, they have on their armband, or I see softball players and baseball players now, they have the uh, play calling sheet on their wristband, and that was kind of like what we had, our play calling sheet walking around. So we would be very mindful, and we're both very electronic, and I keep my calendar on my phone, all those things, but having that printed out, color-coded where I needed to be really kept me on track. Yeah, I agree. So, Mike, um, in this series, we're going to talk about a lot of different things. Let's give the listeners an overview of some of the things we're going to be talking about in episodes to come. Today is just an introduction to our instructional leadership series, but some of the other things we talked about, um, uh, we let's go ahead and share with them. So why don't we start with... Um, uh, professional learning communities. Um, you want to give the listeners an overview of, of some of the things we might address in that episode? Yeah, certainly. And um, I would say that is probably the number one school improvement strategy is professional learning communities. But again, those are that's one of the things in education that has kind of been given 14,000 different meetings. So we're going to break it down and tell you what a real professional learning community is how to start creating the conditions in your school building or school district to let PLCs thrive, and also for you as a principal, how they can work towards your professional learning. Absolutely. And I, I should say, you know, that may not be just one episode. We've talked about that. It's so, so deep and such a wide um uh, uh, an in-depth concept that it'll probably be a couple of episodes, at least two. Um, Mike, the thing that I know excites you the most is the elements of an effective lesson, which, you know, you originated and then we work together to update and revise. But talk to them about how the elements of an effective lesson um, episode might help them support their instructional leadership. 
So the you know the bottom line is getting crystal clear and focused on what you want uh, your teachers that you work with to focus on. So we created a document, um, and this is actually when I was at Sullivan Middle School. Um, the instructional coach and I worked a lot on it, and it basically kind of laid out what we thought, what we want our teachers to um, do, what we want our teachers to think about in a lesson. So we used that to uh, over at Knox also when Latoya and I were in the same building, and it kind of gave some clarity to teachers. What is it that we think is a good lesson? And it let us hone in school-wide, gave us a focus, it let us report results to teachers, and it's really a document that you can customize towards your building because, of course, you know, Latoya and I thought it was a great document for our building, but you may want to tweak it. But really, it's a framework of what you expect. You know, you when you're a principal, you like for your superintendent kind of clearly lay out what they expect from you. And this is kind of a document that you can help clearly lay out what you want to see from your teachers. And Mike, that's a great segue into what will be our last um, topic in this series on instructional leadership, which is using feedback to change instructional practice. So not only did that document become a clear set of expectations and guidelines for our teachers in terms of what we wanted to see uh, with their instruction, but it also was the mechanism through which we gave feedback. It helped us to really focus on the feedback we were giving teachers and be sure that they were around those elements that we had deemed important. One of the things I love the most, shout out to Classroom Mosaic, um, you know, we use Classroom Mosaic and we were able to customize that feedback uh, document or feedback form in side Classroom Mosaic to meet the same uh, or match the and align with the elements of an effective lesson document. So we were constantly giving teachers feedback around those items that we deemed important and they were able to get that immediately when we left. Mike, one of the things I think we did most important, and we have to be sure to talk about this in this episode, and I want you to to maybe um, help me speak to it, is how we would share the data from our walkthroughs. Um, you know, when we decided that we wanted an objective, clearly student, students to know the objective, um, not simply an I can, I will statement, do you have it posted, but do students know and understand what it is they're supposed to know and be able to do by the end of the lesson? We charted that data and said we went in 25 classrooms, we saw it in 50% of the classrooms. Here's where we didn't see it. Uh, and we shared that with staff. Talk about why you think that is an important strategy in getting practices up to par instructionally. Well, I think feedback is, is one of the secret sauces, you know, so to speak. And what having the elements of an effective lesson clearly, uh, you know, boiled over into the feedback because it let us give targeted feedback. You know, sometimes you, you see, you know, a principal might tell a teacher, well, you need to get better at this. Okay, well, you know, what does that mean? How does that happen? Are you just telling them to get better or are you going to be able to coach them to get better? And I think that is the element that a lot of principals might miss. They're not comfortable yet giving that specific feedback on how you can change that practice. So we're going to spend a lot of time about feedback. And if right now, if you don't feel like you give the best feedback, that's perfectly fine. You can learn how to do a lot better with that. You just got to put the time in, so to speak, with, uh, with learning and, and, and talking with others. Um, so giving that targeted feedback can happen in, of course, specific ways. So if we saw a deficiency, say, to speak, so to speak in a teacher's, um, whatever their performance we were looking at, we would give them that specific one-to-one feedback. But also when you have a set of questions you're using for everybody, you can give generalized information. You could look at your whole school. You could look at your grade level. You could look at your science department. 
and chart it that way so you could share some generalized feedback with teachers with the entire staff. Um, of course, you're not going to talk about one teacher in particular unless it's something very positive. But having those set questions allows you to say, okay, well, 86% of us hit the goal we were working on this week, or only 26% of us hit the goal, so this is something we're going to work on again this week. So giving feedback is such a valuable tool, and I can't wait to get to that topic. So, folks, that gives you an overview of what we're going to be talking about in this instructional leadership series. We hope you'll join us. It'll be episodes 8 through 12. Today's episode, The Importance of Instructional Leadership, is episode 8. And 9, 10, 11, and 12, we're going to hit those topics we just talked about. Don't forget to check out all the great resources on my website. It's LatoyaDixonTheNumber5.com. Under Resources, you can find our tools, Elements of an Effective Lesson, the Daily Planner we use and other exciting resources there. Until next time, be you, be true, be a hope builder. This is Leadership with LaToya for Leaders on the Grow.